Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in to Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. Episode of Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and it's episode 42. I'm joined by, uh, I think, first time guest on this pod. His First time guest on any pod. First time guest on any uh-huh. pod. Uh, his name is Zach Blatter. That is at, what is it? At underscore Zach Blatter. Underscore Zach. Zach Blatter so, on Twitter. He does all our graphic design and fucking social media shit for us. So uh, that is what he does. And we're going to talk about basketball. But before we do that, to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. We're posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise, which you can find on our website. That is at the Strickland. There's a link there that'll take you to the store. We've got t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, water bottles, even coffee mugs. Anything. We got hoodies. Hoodies. There you go. Anything you want, we got it. The Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, the podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. That comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a nine dollar tier that gets you access to strick and roll this pod right here where i rant and rave about the next even more you also get access to wonderful premium articles by matthew miranda one of the best in the business there are further tiers there's a 15 dollar tier 30 dollar tier 50 dollar tier and a hundred dollar tier those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings and merchandise discounts and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day whether you choose to subscribe or not none of this would be possible without you so Without further ado, we will get started, but that is not until I mentioned that this show is not possible without BetOnline, which is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. But online, where the game starts. Um, all right. Uh, the Knicks will officially start their summer league tonight. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday afternoon uh, before they tip off at 5 p.m., which is their first game. Obviously, the Knicks did not make a draft pick this year. They made one draft pick last year who will be playing, Trevor Keels. Hopefully, he has lost a good 25, 30 pounds from when we lost Selheim. Um, they also have Jalen Martin who will be playing. He is signed to a two-way contract. Jaylen. Or, yeah, Jalen Martin, right? Uh, signed to a two-way contract. They signed him, or they, yeah, they effectively signed him off of the overtime elite uh, program. And uh, there's somebody else. Oh, no. Jacob Toppin 
would be playing. He's not playing. Yeah, he would be playing, but he hurt himself, allegedly. Um, <laughs> and we will see what happens there. Uh, I don't. Is Dwayne Washington Jr. who are the fuck playing? Dwayne Washington not playing. I don't think he's on, the, on our books anymore. Uh, but so. who is playing is there's another player of intrigue, uh, Michael Foster Jr. There's actually a handful of players of entry, but I'll start with Foster Jr. because you brought him up. But that is my favorite player on this team. And my the only reason I'm going to be watching, I mean, not the only reason, but the main reason I'll be watching here at 5 o'clock, I'm putting him under a microscope first. This guy, if you haven't heard of him, he was a top 30 recruit two years ago out of high school and ended up going to G League Ignite, even though he had offers on the table from big schools. And uh, he's kind of like this weird four with size and crazy wings. He's like a 6'9 guy with 7'1 wingspan. He's only 20 years old right now, and he won't turn 21 until January. He wasn't too productive with uh, with the blue coat last year he spent with the Delaware blue coats. But with the G League Ignite in that first season, he just like was putting up all these numbers. Defensively, there's a lot of concerns with him. But you see him, and it's just real hooper. Someone even called him like a mini Randall out here. And it's just this guy is putting up points. He'll get rebounds. He's got a cool, like he's not the best defender or protector, but he's got some crazy block highlights too. So I'm looking forward to him. And he's like very highly regarded coming out of high school. So we'll see. Um, yeah, definitely interested to see him. Um, I am. I actually am interested to see Trevor Keels because the guy was a fucking five-star recruit. Um, and he... Clearly, I mean, he was okay at Duke. He was fine at Duke. He obviously got drafted. Whatever we, what pick we had, forty-two or the fuck it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, he didn't have such a great year at Duke that he, you know, did credit to himself necessarily. Obviously, coming in again as a five-star recruit, going in the forties in the draft is not a great, you know, obviously didn't come off some amazing season. He clearly was not in NBA shape last year, or maybe at any point in his career so far. Um, he's uh, he's had some productive moments for the Westchester Knicks, though. He's gotten like the jumper looks okay. He's been able to score for them. It's just you know when he comes over here, it's like a deer in headlights. So still very early in his career. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm just I'm not very invested in the summer league. I do. I'm like more invested in just seeing Jalen Martin than anything else because he's actually athletic and a wing. And um, look, I mean, I can't say I've been fucking crunching Jalen Martin tape, but from everything I've read, and from what little I've seen, uh, if he got a reasonable three-point shot, he'd be a very interesting player, it looks like. I'm, I'm curious to see how they'll deploy him, because he's so young, and we haven't, I don't know if he's ready, just like, alright, because we've seen guys come into Summer League, like Grimes and McBride, and they're just like, okay, go cook, and just go do whatever you like, even though they're going to play a much more strict role in the regular season. So I'm curious to see if they'll have Martin just like go out there and cook and just see what he does. Or if they'll put him in like some strict role, it's like, oh no, you're only standing in the corner, you're only guarding this guy, you're only taking catch and shoot threes. Let's see what let's see. I'm just curious to see how they deploy him and where they think he's at developmentally right now. Because if he's I mean, how old is he? 18, 19? This guy is just so, so early. He's younger than me. Like I was first time we had a player like that in a long time. Ever. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if athleticism has been something that they feel like they need to upgrade on. Um maybe not. Uh, aggressively or, or like as a absolute priority thing. But um, I do find it interesting, like getting a guy like DiVincenzo, who is not the most athletic player in the NBA, but he's probably our most athletic um, perimeter player on the team right now, at least in terms of vertical pop. Um, and obviously Jalen Martin is kind of a high flyer too. So um, I am, I'm, I'm curious about that. You know, obviously they haven't, Athleticism has not been like they're not a team that just drafts athletes typically or hasn't been. 
Um, but I am interested in kind of like a little shift in their drafting the last couple of years. Obviously, they didn't make a draft pick this year, but guys like Keels and guys like Jalen Martin, they are deviations from what they did in the draft their first uh, two years um, with, you know, obviously quickly and Toppin and then Grimes, Deuce, Sims, and uh, even Yokobitis, older prospects, not super old, but older prospects. Uh, guys that played, had multiple years of experience in college or in Yokobitis' case in professional basketball in Europe. And then now you have guys that basically were one and dones. Um, in Jalen Martin's case, didn't even go to a D1 program, obviously, right? He played for overtime elite. He did actually, very interesting, he finished valedictorian in his class, I believe, in high school. Uh, did he? I did not see that. Yeah, Begley had in his piece yesterday. And then he was taking classes at Morehouse College while he was playing for overtime elite. So, that's an interesting one. I'm like very intrigued by Jalen Martin from what yeah. I've read. In there are a bunch of people on draft Twitter who are like, how did this guy go undrafted? The Knicks need to focus on this guy's development. They're like, wait a minute. This guy's just completely fallen off the radar. So yeah, he's definitely one of the guys we'll see. I really want to see just what type of role they throw him in right away. Cause that'll tell you a lot about what they think of him. So the other guy you've been forgetting about, you can't forget about is coach Tibbs, favorite Daquan Jeffries. Who might be like in the camp of are you too good for summer league? Like this guy is way older than half the roster. Daquan, he's played like a handful of N- NBA minutes. He's a good defender. He's a good athlete. He can shoot it. Here's what I want so. you to do. All right, I want you to Google Daquan Jeffries agent. Do that. Let's see. Let's see. I'm gonna make a nice guess that it uh, has two A's after the first letter. Well, we'll see shortly. Let's see. Daquan oh. Jeffries agent. It's Bill Duffy. Yes. Who's and not who CAA? is Bill Duffy's main client on the Knicks? R.J. Barrett. Yes. So I don't think Daquan Jeffries is much more than a nice little additional little. A Tibbs favor yeah. who makes practice harder so and makes just a puts little, our guys through. Just a little, there. you know, quid pro quo. A little sweetener. Yeah. A little, hey, you know, we got your guy, but we'll give you a little other business. I also think that's why the Knicks were allegedly interested in Grant Williams. Uh, about five hours before that was hilarious. That thing. Yeah. Um, but look, I have absolutely nothing planned. This is your request, so my request. Yeah, you tell me what you want to talk about because I'm in off season mode. I'm checked out. I got my rant off my uh, off my chest the other day, and I am perfectly at ease not worrying the about rant it. was great I, I had to cut it up into a youtube video to show it to the people yes. who didn't watch the pod because that rant was too awesome it's doing well to the video yeah. um i guess i'll talk about dante because i haven't like spoken on camera about him my knee-jerk reaction was a little bit embarrassing i guess if you will and i was one of those people who was like oh what are we gonna do without a back of four we don't have a we need we need size we need a rebounder and then as i talked to my my smart colleagues of the strickland and even nick's film school and all the other people online who we're like, actually, we don't need a, a gigantic four down there because most teams don't have, like, I like the point you said on with XJ. You were like, are we going to get cooked by Rui Hachimura <laughs> on here? Like, that is that what we're worried about on here? And you look at Josh Hart, and if you look at what the Knicks were kind of asking Obi to do and what he was failing at, I mean, Obi's great at certain things. It's just what he was asked to do in New York. It's not, and we've talked about it for hours on here, but it's not, like, what his strong suit was. If you look at Hart, and you look at what Tibbs asked Obi to do, that's just that's what Hart does. This guy's probably a better rebounder than Obi right away, even though he's shorter. He's probably a better, he's probably equally as good, if not better, at guarding fours, which is fine. And in transition, he gives you similar production. Yeah, it's not as cool. He's not doing windmill dunks and stuff on transition, but Hart's a demon in transition too. 
So you move him down to the four, and then you get Dante, who's pretty awesome. This guy's just like another good player who can shoot. He's a great athlete. He's a great passer. He moves in space. He's very well to play in a play like within a system. And the most important part with him is he'll get us out of transition. That was something you and actually talked about in the last pod. The first half of the season was just so, so stagnant and so much ISO ball with Randall. And like, I know it's ISO with Brunson too, which is even more productive. But still, these these teams were so... We'll re-impace the first half of the season. They're definitely like bottom 10 at pace. But, uh, you know, when Hart comes over, that pace totally increases. And I think Dante will do the same thing. So now I, I'm totally in the camp of we're good at Josh Hart with back up four. Maybe they'd go and make a trade or bring in somebody on the biannual who's a four as an emergency, emergency four in case Randall gets hurt. But right now, like, we're good. And you you mentioned it before. Guys get minutes when, when there's injuries. So, um, Yeah, I mean, look, the DiVincenzo signing I'm fine with. It's not the perfect signing in the entire world. Um, there are no perfect signings like well, that. I mean, unless you're Jalen Brunson. Besides Brunson, there's no Stars, magic. superstars, they're the perfect signings. Everybody else, you're just trying to fit into a role. Um, and, you know, I actually was – it's kind of funny because I usually hate this pod. Um, not this pod. This pod is great. You should definitely. Oh, I, was like, what? I usually hate this pod that I'm going to reference, uh, which is the mismatch with KOC and and Chris Vernon. Uh, but not my cup of tea. Yeah, not yeah. my cup of tea. But I was look. There's a, there's only so many pods to go around. At some point, you got to compromise and listen to what's out there. So I was listening in on their most recent episode, and Vernon actually brought up a pretty interesting point, which I think is like, you know, I mean. I think we all intuitively know it, but when somebody actually says it, it makes you think. And what he was talking about is like, there are a group of players every year that cash in on the right moment. And oftentimes that is due to team success, which they were part of, and maybe even a key part of, but not the driving force of. Um, and the guys he referenced were like, one was Bruce Brown, which... I think it's different because he got a one-year deal, basically, with the team option. It's it's a it's a different thing than these other guys. But he brought up Gabe Vincent, three years, thirty-three million, and um, Struess, four years, sixty-three million. And he was just talking about like, look, like if the fucking Bulls don't shit the bed for the last three minutes of the final playing game, are those guys even getting like fifty percent of those contracts? And I think the answer is probably not. And so I find that interesting because. The other thing he said was like, look, Bruce Brown is awesome. He deserves the money he got. Um, but like if you swapped him and you swapped Dante DiVincenzo and DiVincenzo is doing the Bruce Brown stuff on a championship team and Bruce Brown and, and Bruce Brown is doing Dante stuff on a second round exit team, like ba- their price tags are probably different. And I thought that was an interesting point just because like I think we often I I'm guilty of this too, so definitely not divorcing myself from it but i think like a lot of we're all guilty of like oh fucking this guy's a fucking losing player this guy's a winning player uh you know i mean i do this with donovan Mitchell all the time i'm like he fucking sucks we kicked his ass in the first round what a bum um but like you know obviously that's not a great encapsulation of everything and i just thought that was interesting in terms of dante divincenzo because um look to me is he a steal? Like, I don't know. I mean, not right now. It's not like you can say, like, he played above, way above what he got, what we gave him. Um, but, like, does he, is he going to be the, a driver of success for the Knicks? Probably not. But will he be a guy who can help us incrementally improve, that can make us better, that moves us on the margins? 
Um, yeah, I think I think he definitely can. And uh, that's not actually really like to say that Obi wasn't good for us. But sometimes, like, and I again, I'm going to reference another pod. Uh, one I actually listen to, but not all the time. I was listening also to Sam Vecini on his pod. And they were talking about Obi Toppin. And they were just talking about how, like, look, this is, like, the best situation for Obi, going to a team that plays fast, that has a stretch five. Like, if it's ever going to happen for him, this had to be the situation for him. Um, and then they actually, they, their next segment was talking about DiVincenzo, and they loved that signing for the Knicks. Uh, because, and the way they put it, it was, like, smart. Where he was like, DiVincenzo fits, they, they, this was not, like, a, they were not comparing them, by the way, as fits for the Knicks. But he just said, like, DiVincenzo is a good fit for the Knicks with what they're doing, you know, in terms of they seem to like really value rebounding. That seems to be like a core part of their identity, all that type of stuff. They needed shooting like it. It made sense. And I and I agree with that. Like, I think DiVincenzo is a good fit for us, for what we need, for how we play, for what we're doing um, in a way that Obi just wasn't. Obi was one. He was never going to get the opportunity that you need to really give him at some point because we have Julius Randle and Tibbs quite honestly just didn't trust him. He didn't trust him. He never did. Tibbs didn't trust him. Tibbs didn't value him. That's not like, again, I hate having, I have to constantly do this, but like, um, it's not, I'm over criticizing Tibbs for that because like, it is what it is. That's just the fucking reality of the situation. So I'm not even being critical of him. He didn't value him, didn't trust him. And I think, Given that Tibbs is going to be the coach, and I think the organization has landed on, okay, we figured out a formula to win ball games last year that really pushed us to a higher level. How can we now take that and keep working the margins and pushing them in our favor? And I do think a guy like DiVincenzo, who hits threes, that defends at a higher level than Obi does, that can kind of fill roles that you know, not the greatest ball in there, but can give you a little ball handling. Gives you more spacing as a shooter. Again, more versatile defensively, maybe, or at least allows you to use guys like Josh Hart a little bit more versatile. Or versat- lean into his versatility. There you go. Lean into Josh Hart's versatility on defense. You're forcing Tibbs' hand yeah. here. You're forcing Tibbs to like be creative and not just be like this dinosaur yeah, I mean, not even, coach and he would just yeah. have everybody at one position. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say, oh, I like it like that. I, I wouldn't even say like you're forcing him to be creative. I just think like, Given the fucking roster, he kind of just has to use heart in ways that maybe he wouldn't, and that allows you to tap into some of the versatility that guys like Hart, and to a lesser extent R.J. Barrett um, and Quickly and and Grimes, like these guys provide you. Um, so, you know, I, I just thought there was like just listening to those two thoughts from separate pods together. Um, I thought that was interesting because I think it's like you know so much of what we talk about is you know, uh, is this guy good in this role or, you know, I mean, the OB conversation is like, I'm just over it because it is what it is. Um, but like so much of that conversation is like, well, the tips fuck up or the organization fuck up or was OB bad or was OB not good at these things. And it's like, it's kind of a combination of all those things of everything. Yeah. yeah. It's just a perfect storm of it's not going to work here. That's just what it was. And you can't sit around and pull blame at this guy and that guy and like just bite the bullet it didn't work we got two second round picks is off the books and that's it you know what i mean it's funny like duarte goes for two second round picks when was he picked in that draft was he i don't remember the number but he was like just a, a few picks after Obi, and you don't see anybody on 
NBA Twitter talking about, oh my God, Pacers only got two seconds for Duarte. And they're both like, they're both seniors in college. They're both guys who came in and looking to produce. And I like Duarte. I like Obi. I like them both. It just wasn't going to work out in either of those teams. And that's where we're at right now. And it's, that's where that has to be. Um, Yeah. I, I just, you know, the trade look, let, let's be completely honest here. Like, I mean, I, I guess it wasn't finalized until yesterday. The Knicks basically get yeah. the lesser of a second round pick in 2028. Two not great yeah, second round picks. They're not going to be great second round picks. It it's a bad trade. Like, it's not good value. They. Yeah. That's yeah, happened. Pacers, the Pacers got great value in that trade. Even if OB amounts to nothing for them, they got great value. They got a, basically what amounts to like a free look at a guy. Um, and they hold his fucking restricted free agent rights. So they're that's a great move for them. And I, I think he's going to be successful there. I think he's going to be good there. He's going to be better there than he ever would have been in New York, so good for him. Um, but, like, the Knicks effectively ate shit because they wanted to dump the salary and they wanted to make sure that they could avoid the tax. And, like, I don't think this is a scenario of they wanted to avoid the tax to save Dolan money. I think they want to avoid the tax because of repeater fucking consequences and the reality is like while i've still and i still believe this i believe that internally they think they're closer to being contender than consensus but i'd still but i would guess that they still don't think they are a contender and if they're not yeah. a contender they don't want to be in it just makes no sense to be a tax team if you're not a contender if you don't believe you're a contender so and they'll they'll happily go into the tax when they are a contender we don't have to worry about that at all so i think it's completely fine they're just waiting for that moment you know and they'll go into the tax. Um, yeah, like I, I, I'm not worried about the tax thing. But yeah, like it sucks. I mean, it, the, the Obi thing, it sucks in every which way. I think it's fair to just say that front office fucked up, basically, almost all around with him. Um, and that really is unfortunate because obviously he was the highest draft pick available to them, and they were interested at least in guys that like. Very specifically, they had interest in Devin Vassell, who, by the way, like I really like Devin Vassell, has not been a good defensive player in the NBA, but um, I think would have absolutely been a better pick than Obi Toppin for us. I think he would have garnered more trust from Tibbs, um, and I think he would have fit kind of like, again, when you go back to this, and you know, there's this whole, like, I think there's a whole idea of this was an issue for the Knicks for a long time is like, what is the Knicks had no identity. Like people talk about culture, right? I think culture ultimately boils down to, do you, do you have an identity? Do you know what the hell you are as a team, as an organization, what you're trying to build? What, what is your team that you're trying to build? What does it look like? And I think for the longest time, the Knicks had no culture. They had no identity. And, our culture was being a complete mess. That was the yeah. Culture. I mean, and and even like you know, look, I, I think Mills and Perry were like they weren't great, but they had at least figured out like okay, it's good to keep draft picks. It's good to like not lock into contracts for guys that are not worth locking into and stay flexible. And they good to have some yeah. veteran money yeah, on they, the books they, that they maybe they for picks. They knew it they, towards the end. Yeah, they, they figured up out some like bit, very but. like basic level. Baseline intelligence stuff. It took Steve um, Mills like 16 years yeah. to figure out. It's actually really, we'll take it's it. really funny because he was maybe like the worst lead executive in basketball at the time he got fired. But if you put him in the NBA in like 
fucking 2005, he'd have been the best GM in the league. Um, that's how much I, I don't think people really understand how much better front offices are now than they used to be. Um, but like, I think the identity question leads into all this, where it's like they didn't know. I don't think the Knicks knew for sure what their identity was when, like Leon and you know when these guys took over. They they had an idea, right? You you hire Tibbs, you kind of have an idea of what you're gonna do, right? Like, not gonna be some run and gun team. Um, you're gonna have some baseline level structure on both ends of the floor, for sure on defense and even on offense. That like, I know people will be like. We don't run plays. We run plays. They're very boring. Uh, they're very limited, but we do run plays. Um, but you knew what you were going to get. And I think as the time has gone on, and you got to understand also, Leon Rose, first-time executive, um, like I think they have ironed out more and more and more of like, okay, well, if this is what we want to be, it also entails this and this and this thing and getting these types of players and getting this guy at this spot. And I think as that has continue to develop and they've kind of really started to figure out okay what do we want to be as an organization what do we want to be as a team what guys fit into that ethos it just is a case of like obi toppin was never really going to work in that scenario especially because julius randall is better than him right now and is better in the kind of identity we're developing you can disagree with that you can say like they should strive for a different identity they should want to be something else. And I don't think that's actually unfair because I, I do think there are limitations to the offensive lack of flexibility and creativity we have. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that means that what you're adding these players to um, is a mistake. Like, we saw this in Golden State. Obviously, they had Steph, who we don't have a Steph. As great as Jalen Brunson is, right? You got a manual quickly, yeah, man. I don't know. What I know. But as great as Jalen Brunson is right now, I can't say he's uh, quite peak Steph Curry. But the point being, um, they went from like a very, very ISO-heavy team. They didn't change a lot of personnel. They just switched coaches, and all of a sudden those guys were able to play in a different type of you know system, ball movement, player movement, up-tempo. So it's not to say that the, guy, the guys the Knicks have can't do it, but the guys they have also can 100% play, I think, in the way that they currently are being deployed by their coach. And I, I also would say that, like, culture and identity go beyond just, like, the pace you play at, you know, how much ball and player movement you have, what are your schemes. I think the Knicks look for certain types. And, and in a way, Obi, Obi fit a lot of those things, right? He's a hard worker. He's a guy who was polished coming out of college in terms of, like, he was a proven commodity to an extent. He excelled at the college level, right? He was the National Player of the Year at Dayton. So, like, he fit those things. But again, like, as they've kind of, gone on in time they're like okay well we want to be a great rebounding team we want to be a low turnover team we're more concerned with winning the possession battle than playing at a certain tempo um we care more about winning the possession battle than what our assist percentage is and we want to be like a strong defensive team and all this stuff like as time goes on he just kind of gets lost in the mix and it's hard guys have to this happens to players this is not just unique to obi this happens to players all around the league and it happens to teams all around the league where, like, they develop identities. Um, and sometimes, like, you know, at some point you might have to evolve. I think the Knicks are close to a point where they need to evolve. That evolution can come from roster, changing roster, uh, like changing your per- player personnel. But it can also come from making a coaching change. We'll see which one the Knicks choose. But I think, like, you look at a team like Boston, and I think 
Um, they have gone like we'll see what they look like, but this team is drastic. Like they're drastically different now from what they were. Like they're not going to be able to just switch everything like they had been doing for a while. They their guards are like I mean, it's kind of weird. Like they went from having a glut of guards to now just being like we have. Derek White, who we love and is dependable, and Malcolm Brogdon, who is good, but like we're not. Are you injured? Yeah, are you like yeah? Are you gonna be healthy? And then they have Peyton Pritchard, who I like, but like he didn't play last year. We both like Pritchard, but now he's gonna play. Like he'll play when Brogdon is hurt, and he'll play when if Brogdon is like yeah. So, wait, I don't know. They're gonna be interesting. Those were just kind of thought a lot of weird, not necessarily connected thoughts, but there's something I think to the idea of like figuring out identity, fleshing it out over time. And as you're fleshing it out, certain guys that were part of, like, establishing maybe the early part of your fucking program or whatever fall out of the mix. I mean, this happened with Dylan Brooks in, in Memphis. Like, I think any Memphis fan would tell you, like, Dylan Brooks was super important to them kind of establishing themselves in the post-grind era. But by, like, at some point last year, they were all also like okay. we've grown past the need for Dylan right. Brooks. Actually, right. and like yeah. I don't know if we grew past. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Obi is not the same. I don't know if we grew past the point of needing Obi Toppin, but we grew to a point where what Obi needed and what was best for Obi was not in line with the direction what we needed him to do. Yeah, and it was also yeah. just not in line with what the organization was looking to do moving forward, and that sucks. Like it does suck because I do think there's a chance. Obi's going to go to Indiana and be really good. Like, and the Knicks maybe will deservedly get killed if that's the case. But sometimes, like, sometimes you just have to fucking. You ever watch Remember the the Remember the Titans? Nope. Wow, you're so fucking young. <laughs> I'm a kid, dude. I don't know anything. It's a fucking movies. Disney movie. Shut up. I don't even watch Disney movies that much. So there what you go. What do you watch? I don't just watch fucking porn. Uh, YouTube, YouTube yeah. videos, and the Strickland. I watch every pod. That's what I you watch. watch. Fucking you porn. That's what you watch. That is not true. <laughs> not true. I watch great YouTube content creators like yourself. <laughs> so, um, but like, yeah, you just have to fucking cut a guy loose sometimes. Best thing for them could be the best thing for you. Maybe not the best thing for you, but you know, I mean, look, look at the fucking conversations people like. I promise you, in about a month. Aside from a small group of people, like we'll all have moved on from the Obi Toppin discourse because there's like no point. To yeah. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New 
new episodes of Fly on the Wallin drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin wherever you get your podcasts.